0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, February the 2nd, 2024. It is currently 3.18 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I want you to imagine you're sitting somewhere. You're not really paying attention to what's going on around you and All of a sudden, you notice a conversation is happening. There's a conversation. And you kind of look over. You see these people are kind of, looks like a pretty serious conversation. You kind of look. You go back to what you're doing. You kind of look back over. Now you see that the conversation is becoming more and more animated by the second. Obviously, someone is very upset. And suddenly, one person stands up and looks at the other person and says, I will never forgive you. Never Ever will I forgive you. I want you to suffer. I want you to feel pain. I want your family to suffer. Now, whether you want to admit this or not, you're probably going to be making some kind of judgment, right? Because we're always judging. Whether we, we may not, we always try to claim, well, I'm not really judging, but we're judging all the time. Even when we shouldn't. In many cases, we're judging that which we have no business judging because we don't even really know, but we make judgments, so as you sit there and the person just storms off, I'm never going to forgive you. I I never, ever, and I, and I want you to suffer and I want your family to suffer. They walk off and you may be like, wow, you may get uncomfortable. You may start looking down. You don't want to even look over and you're like, what just happened? What just happened? But in your mind, you may start thinking, man, if that person doesn't forgive that's going to that's going to tear them up that's going to destroy their life they need to forgive even if you don't really have any context you may be thinking they need to forgive because if you don't forgive it's negative for you you've got to forgive and you may think hey that's the best thing to do so but let me ask you this question Do you think it's always the best thing to do is to forgive, or do you think there are times where it's actually beneficial not to forgive? Now, you may start quoting Bible verses at me here in a second, okay? And that's great. I think we all know what the scriptures say, and we will be talking about what the scriptures say. But when it comes to our everyday practical life— Yeah. I mean, a lot of times I think Christians say, I, I forgive you, but we really don't. I think a lot of times say, well, I've forgiven that person, but you can just tell there is bitterness. There is anger. There is resentment. There is wrath. So maybe you're saying, you're saying all the right words, but maybe deep down you really haven't. Now, what are the consequences of not forgiving? What are the consequences? And from a Christian perspective, should you forgive simply because maybe someone tells you it's beneficial for you to forgive? If you forgive simply for the benefits you receive from it, is that true forgiveness? Are you truly letting the person go? Are you you simply saying, look, I I don't really forgive you, but I'm going to try to, at least in my mind, let this go, let the resentment go, so that I can get on with my own life. I'm only doing it for me. Well, then, is that really forgiving them? What does biblical forgiveness really look like? Now, I am bringing up all of these questions because of a very powerful and sad news story that was published today, February the 2nd, 2024. You can read this news story at the Christian Post, christianpost.com. Here is the headline. And as soon as I saw this headline, I'm like, I have, we have to talk about this today. We have, I can't, I can't wait. And we've got to talk about this immediately. All right, here we go. Teenager, pleads guilty to murder of a pastor, the widower vows to never forgive him. So a teenager killed a pastor, pleads guilty to the murder, and the pastor's widower vows to never, ever forgive the teenager who murdered his wife. Here is the story. A 16-year-old with an eighth grade education, has pleaded guilty to the daylight murder of a prominent United Methodist Church pastor, and her widower vowed in court on Thursday that he will never forgive him for the crime. The teenager pleaded guilty to second degree murder and was sentenced to 28 years in prison. But family members of the late pastor who was killed during a carjacking at her home didn't think his punishment was sufficient. Now I'm going to read some of the things the widower said in court because he had an opportunity at the victim impact statement to speak to the teenager. Now, I'm going to read some of this. I am going to clean it up a little bit. One of the things said here is very explicit. So you're going to know the word. I'm not going to say the word, but you're going to know. So if this thing offends you, I just, I just want you to hear the emotion in this. Here's a widower. His, his wife, who's the pastor, is killed in broad daylight, and a carjacking by a teenager. The teenager pleads guilty, gets 28 years, and the family members are like, and the family members of the pastor are like, this is not, 28 years is not near enough. You should pay more. And they're obviously very upset. So then in court, they have the opportunity to speak to the person who ple- pleaded guilty and their victim impact statement. Here is the first thing that's recorded here in this story. Here we go. I quote, I hate you to my effing gut. I hate you to my effing gut, the pastor's widower told the teenager during his victim impact statement. I hate you. I mean, I hate you is strong enough, but he throws in an expletive. I hate you all the way to my gut. Like this is not just a, an external hate. This is a deep deep hatred. I hate you. The pastor's widower goes on to say, I have no remorse for you. I wish the worst for you while you're locked up for 28 years. The grieving widower also said he hoped the teenager's family suffers the worst pain imaginable. I wish for you to die I will never forgive you I hope all your family feels the worst pain imaginable while you're being locked while you with you being locked up but it will never measure up to my pain he said police said uh, that the the pastor who uh led uh, who led uh a United Methodist church in Tennessee, was fatally shot in the driveway of her home during a carjacking just after 4 p.m. on July the 18th, 2022. Friends say she was on her mobile phone with a colleague when she was attacked. The teenager was charged as an adult and the case at the request of the Shelby County District Attorney's Office. Investigators said the teenager was wearing an ankle bracelet on the day he shot the pastor due to previous criminal activity. And even after he killed the pastor, the teenager went on to carjack another victim. Despite the circumstances, the teenager was given bail and allowed to be free until he was sentenced on Thursday. The late pastor's widower and other family members were outraged about the situation. You are you are only out on bond because the juvenile system is messed up. In other countries, they do a life for a life, but you will be eating three meals a day until uh, changes are made with the juvenile system. They will continue to be unjust penalties. Now, they go on and add more to it. You can read the entire article. Now, when you have the full context there, I mean, look, I can't say, on one hand, I cannot say I understand the widower's pain and grief. I can't say I understand it exactly, but I think I can somewhat relate. A family member being murdered and you're looking at the person who did it I, I I don't know if I, I I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know if I could say, I forgive you. I think I may say, I want to kill you. I think I may be yelling and screaming and have to be held back. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. So I think I can at least relate to this outburst of anger. I hate you. I hate you so much. I wish you were dead. And be very upset with obviously the judicial system because the person was running around with, you know, had already committed crime and was wearing an ankle bracelet, just but still out committing crime. A a horrible situation. So we could talk about the judicial system, but for us here, what I want to talk about is the idea of forgiveness. Now we all are confronted with a harsh reality right here. And if you are a Christian, you know the harsh reality that we are confronted with. Christianity is a call to obviously believe in God, confessing that we are sinners, and trusting in His righteousness alone for our salvation. And once we put our faith in Christ for salvation, we are then called to, well, to follow Him. We are called to to learn and to try to obey the scriptures that which we have been given. Now, we know we're going to fall short. That's why we need to be saved by an imputed righteousness. But we are confronted at that very moment for the rest of our lives that we are either to follow and pursue what God tells us to do, or we will follow and pursue what we feel like doing, what God says versus what we feel. What God says, what we feel. Now, sometimes as Christians, we play this little game that we take what we feel and we try to make it what we try to convince ourselves that that's what God says. I feel this way and God agrees with me. Well, that's usually that's that's never a good thing and that's really that's really detrimental to everyone of us. You should not do that. Don't take what you feel and then twist God's word to make it align with it. No, no, sometimes it's best to just admit, this is how I feel, this is what God's word says, and I'm in a conflict right now. I'm in a great conflict. Now you have to choose, are you going to go with your feelings or are you going to go with God's word? At some point, you got to decide which is more important to you. Your feelings are God's word. And let me make it very clear. God's word doesn't care about your feelings. God's word is very like, this is right. This is wrong. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. And it doesn't really care about how you feel. God's word is like, well, I mean, considering your circumstances. No, it's very black and white. But we're confronted with this conflict every single day. My feelings, my desires, my wants versus God's word. Well, when we are confronted with a situation like this, when it comes to forgiving someone, our feelings may have been articulated clearly by that pastor's widower. His expression, I hate you. I want you to die. That may seem, seem shocking, and we may never be willing to say those words out loud, but it may articulate sometimes what we feel. Sometimes we don't want to forgive. Sometimes we despise, and we have resentment, and we have bitterness, and we don't want reconciliation. We don't want to fix anything because we're bitter and we're angry because that's our feelings, where God's word comes along and says, whoa, 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 Here's what I want you to do. And it, we're in conflict. We are in conflict. I'm in conflict every single day with my wants and desires versus God's word. Every single day I find myself in that conflict. Oh, come on. I can't be the only one. Now, if we are to step back and just kind of summarize in a simple way, the biblical teaching on forgiveness right? If we just kind of step back, the biblical teaching on forgiving others emphasizes the importance of forgiveness as a central aspect of Christian faith and practice. Like if, if we really think about it as a Christian, the biblical teaching on forgiving others emphasizes the importance of forgiveness as a central aspect of Christian faith and practice. Let, let's, let's consider some of these. Are you ready? Number one, commanded to forgive. Christians are commanded to forgive others as a reflection of God's forgiveness towards them. Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer to forgive others as we have been forgiven by God. Do you realize, do you see that you are commanded to forgive others because you have been forgiven? You, Because you have received such great forgiveness from the eternal God who is all holy and you are completely a sinner since you have been forgiven, then you are to forgive. Do you see it as a command? Now, this is a situation where you're commanded to forgive, meaning if you don't forgive, well, then you're in sin. Now, The unforgiveness sin is typically a sin Not doesn't get a lot of attention in church. In fact, it's almost never viewed as a sin. It's almost like, hey, you're supposed to forgive. Hey, if you don't forgive, it's going to be detrimental to you. It's going to hurt you. You're going to be a prisoner. They We give all of these kind of psychological explanations for why you should forgive. But the reality is your unforgiveness is a sin. And I don't know if we ever see it that way. Now, look, there's a time and place to talk about this. I'm not saying you should go up to this widower and go, you're commanded to forgive. Uh, Don't don't act the fool. Okay, come on. There's a time and place. I'm saying that we have to at least acknowledge at some point in our Christian life. Now in the in the heat of a a horrible tragedy, it's not the time for someone to come preach a sermon to you. All right. But when things are, you're just going through your normal day, we need to realize we are commanded to forgive. So we're commanded to forgive. A second concept, forgiveness seems to be essential. Forgiveness is essential for maintaining healthy, healthy relationships, promoting reconciliation, experiencing God's mercy and grace. Unforgiveness can lead to bitterness, resentment, and hinder spiritual growth. In other words, it seems forgiveness is essential to spiritual growth. It is essential to maintaining relationships. It is commanded. It seems to be essential. Number three, the model of forgiveness. The model of forgiveness, the ultimate model of forgiveness is found in Jesus Christ, who forgave those who crucified him and offered salvation to all who repent and believe in him. His sacrificial love exemplifies forgiveness. We have a model of forgiveness. Jesus Christ forgives, and the mo- and you can say, well, he forgave those who crucified him. Forget all the other people he forgave. If you are a Christian, you have received that forgiveness. He has forgiven you. And sometimes it's hard for us to realize what that and it it took his death, his shed blood, for your to for you to be forgiven. He had to die for you to be forgiven. Sometimes you say, well, I mean, he may have forgiven me, but I mean, I've never done this, this, this. Well, stop looking at how self-righteous you are. It required him to die to forgive you. It required the death of the eternal son of God for us to have forgiveness. He's the model. Now, so number one, we're commanded to forgive. Number two, forgiveness seems to be essential. Number three, there's a model for forgiveness. That's Jesus Christ. So, in other words, if you want to know if you forgive, well, do you, have you forgiven as Christ has forgiven you? Number four, unconditional forgiveness. Ooh. Christians are called to offer forgiveness unconditionally, even when it's difficult or undeserved. Now, let me stop right here. Do you think, now I know that this has been disputed somewhat within Christianity, do you believe the Bible teaches unconditional forgiveness? Now, some people teach, no, 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 no. You forgive if they repent. You forgive if they're apologetic. You forgive if they say they're sorry. If they don't do that, you don't forgive. But if you don't forgive, are there negative consequences to you? Do we believe the biblical forgiveness is an unconditional forgiveness? You may want to put a question mark next to that one. Number five, forgive as you have been forgiven. Believers are encouraged to forgive others generously and freely just as they have received abundant forgiveness from God. This includes forgiving others for their offenses, hurts, and wrongdoings. We are called to forgive as we have been forgiven. Number six, reconciliation and restoration. Forgiveness often leads to reconciliation and restoration of relationships. Christians are encouraged to seek peace, understanding and healing through the process of forgiveness. So number one, the command to forgive. Number two, forgiveness is essential. Number three, the model of forgiveness. Number four, unconditional forgiveness. Number five, forgive as you have been forgiven. Number six, reconciliation and restoration. Number seven, forgive from the heart. True forgiveness involves letting go of anger, resentment, and bitterness in one's heart. It requires a genuine willingness to release the offender and move forward in love and grace. In other words, biblical forgiveness seems to be not just something you say. It's not just something you think. You have to do so from the heart it's an internal forgiveness and then number 8 forgiveness brings freedom forgiveness brings freedom from the burden of carrying grudges and allows individuals to experience emotional spiritual and relation relational healing it opens the door to experience god's peace and joy now there's a there's some points i'm not saying i agree with these points i'm not saying you should i'm saying we should consider them the point is forgiveness seems to be essential in the life of a believer and we definitely seem to be called to it there may be some uh, specifics that we may not agree on and we may struggle on but it seems almost like this is clearly a biblical mandate and yet so many christians walk around with some level of resentment some level of bitterness some level they truly will not let it go no, well, that's a sin on your part. Whatever the other person has done, now now from a biblical perspective, you find yourself in sin. And I know that's not easy to comprehend. Let's just look at some scriptures. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 14. For if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, those scriptures raise serious questions. So, wait a minute. If I don't forgive someone, I'm not forgiven? Like, Now, this obviously can't have anything to do with my ultimate salvation, or mean it would mean that at any point I could possibly not be saved because I'm not forgiving someone. This seems to I think what this seems to be inferring I think mainly for the main part for the most part is if I don't forgive someone else, it's going to ultimately hinder my fellowship, my relationship with God. So, in other words, there's there's a negative spiritual implication, if I don't forgive, then it breaks a relationship with me and God. Not my salvation because my salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. And at any point, you could find yourself in a situation where you're not being forgiven. And in fact, right now at this very moment, if you were really deeply honest, there's probably some unforgiveness in your heart at this very moment. There's probably some resentment and there's probably some bitterness. And, and, And no matter how many times you say you've forgiven, it still may be there. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, please note, these scriptures don't seem to give us. That there's a requirement that the other person has to do. It doesn't seem that the other person has to do anything. I forgive because God has forgiven me. The, The great forgiveness I have received is the great forgiveness I am to give. And there doesn't seem to be anything inferred in many of these passages. Like, no, no, no. You only forgive if they meet these three requirements. No, I just forgive. I let them go. I have received such great forgiveness. I should be the giver of great forgiveness. How about Colossians 3.13? Colossians 3.13, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. If someone has a quarrel against you, you forgive them. Luke 17 Luke 17, verse 3, take heed to yourselves. If, the, if thy brother trespassed against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shall forgive him. Now, in this particular case, it sounds like the repentance is necessary. So, is d- does this call into question the unconditional nature? Some of those other verses don't seem to imply that. It's just you forgive. This seems to imply, well, if they come back and apologize, then d- d- does it require that? Matthew chapter 18. Now, in some of these passages, I think in Matthew 18, it becomes obvious what's being referred to here. Well, uh, uh, okay, Ma- oh, well, see now, in Matthew 18, this is clearly in, in context of church discipline, right? Because Jesus has this discussion about church discipline. Right? So now you're dealing within the context of the church. Then came Peter to him in verse 21, Matthew 18, 21. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So it seems like in, in the context of church, of the church, if someone says I repent, I'm sorry, we are to forgive. We are to forgive. Even if it's over and 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 over again. Mark eleven. Mark eleven. I'm in Mark twelve. Let's go to Mark eleven verse 25, Mark 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. So when you're praying and you realize that you haven't forgiven someone, you need to stop and, well, you need to forgive them. You need to forgive them because it seems to have possibly a negative impact on your own prayers. Forgiveness is an essential part of the Christian life, irregardless of your feelings, irregardless of your emotions. Now, I think the reason as Christians we are called to be able to forgive is because of the forgiveness we have received and we should do it And and because guess what? We're supposed to die to self and deny self. I am forgiving because I've been forgiven, not because I feel like it, not because I desire it. I should do it because, well, of what God calls me to do. So I want us to really consider our own lives and our own hearts. Have you truly forgiven? What are the spiritual consequences of not forgiving? A lot of times people talk about the psychological, but I'm talking about the spiritual. Now you can convince yourself all day that you have look i've been i've been through this for many of you know I grew up in a mess my i don't my my family life was a total to call it a train wreck would be an understatement it was a disaster. I was not living at home my mom dies all right and I'm filled with a little bit a love a little bit a massive amount of resentment and and anger and frustration because we never were able to reconcile our differences. I was frustrated and angry with God. I was I was frustrated and upset at, upset at everything. I tried to take my life. Tried to kill myself. Spent what seven, eight weeks in a psychiatric hospital. And at some point, I had to write a letter and take it to my mother's grave and read it to my mother, supposedly trying to forgive. Now I read the letter. But you know what? There are even days, all of these years later, 2024, 2024, sometimes I can still feel a little bit of bitterness and resentment. Now, it's a lot less than it used to be, but there's still things there. There's still things about things that happened even after my mom's death with my father and before he died. There is some resentment there. So many times within Christianity, and I'm going to address this, a lot of times what happens is Christianity and pastors love to say this, if, if you haven't forgiven, you need to go make it right with that person today. You know what? I think sometimes when we go try to tell the other person, I think we're not really trying to make it right. I think what we're trying to do is like, look, I really still have uh, problems with you, but I'm going to try to make you feel bad because I'm gonna come to you saying, I forgive you. And sometimes what we're hoping is when we say, I forgive you, that what we're hoping is that the other person will be like, oh, I am so sorry, it was all my fault. Sometimes when we say, I forgive you, right? Is what we really wanna hear is, that person then say well, oh I'm so no 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 I'm sorry I, for- I you don't need to forgive me because I I I'm the one who did everything wrong you didn't do anything wrong like you know and and you really kind of want to you're kind of putting the other person on the spot I think what we need to do is I don't think we need to always get up and go tell the other person I think what we need to do is just let the other person go we just release them we forgive them we don't need them to know I, unless unless you're trying to restore or reconcile a relationship you just need to let them go but sometimes we want to confront them because we really want we're trying to get them to feel bad. we're trying to get them to to start grovelling at our feet and telling them, "No, I'm so sorry. I never meant to hurt you. It was all my fault. We want we, that sometimes we're real hoping for that, and I don't know if we really are wanting to forgive as much as we were going to use the idea of forgiveness to confront someone else so that they will feel bad, and sometimes it doesn't work the way we want to. some people are like, "Well, yeah, okay, so you forgive me, okay, whatever, I don't care." And then we we walk away even more bitter. Sometimes I think the thing to do is just, you don't need to go to them. You don't need to contact them. You just let it go you just got to let it go. You got to let go of the resentment and the bitterness and the anger and the hurt and the wrath. It doesn't mean you're saying that what they did was right. No, 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 no. You're saying, because I have been forgiven, I'm going to forgive and let this go. It doesn't change. It doesn't justify their behavior. It doesn't excuse the behavior. You're just letting it go. Just like God forgiving you doesn't justify or excuse your behavior. God justifies you on the, on the behavior, based on the behavior of Christ. His righteousness, not on your behavior. I, I, I'm gonna stop there. I'm gonna stop there. But I want you to consider all the things that we've talked about forgiveness. And I want you to just remember this pastor's widower standing up in court saying, I hate you. I am never going to forgive you. I want you to die. Now, you may never have articulated something like that, but what is left inside of you that you're not you're not letting go? You won't forgive. Emotions versus God's word. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, that's news, I-F at yahoo.com. You have a wonderful day. God bless.